He has put all things under his feet and has made him head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. From St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, tonight as we enter into Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, we find the untimely born apostle's treatise on the church itself. It is a vision not of sociological grouping of individuals with similar interests. Neither is it perhaps to our great surprise defined here solely or even primarily by the action of the cross. Certainly its power to create and constitute the church is not to be lightly discarded. And yet the crucifixion is not the focus here. Rather, the Apostle Paul turns our eyes to the ascension and what it means for those who are recognized as belonging to the body of Christ. For if we are not dealing here with a mere metaphor of the body, but agree wholeheartedly with our liturgy, which states that we are the true members of the mystical body of the only begotten Son of God, then we must wrestle with what this means. Given that Christ retains physical form and that this is even an integral reality of his resurrection. Friends, we must ponder the implications for the church. If we believe, as the church always has, that this same Christ has been taken up into the heavenly places above the skies, beyond the stars, into a realm that tests the very limits of our imagination. Christ a human being with a beating heart and pumping lungs, this man with nostrils and hairy armpits not only lives there, no, he reigns on high with God, seated in a place of ultimate power and dominion, in the place of authority at God's right hand. Well, what do we do with that? We who ask week after week that he might dwell in us and we in him? Well, one thing you cannot do, I want to suggest, is to fail to keep the feast. For if one man dwells in heaven on high with God, then in a way all men do, or at least might. Astronaut Neil Armstrong, in his own lesser ascension, to the lunar surface, got it exactly right when he said of his feet hitting the moon, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. You know, I never thought that I'd have a chance to reference Dumb and Dumber in a sermon. But in one of the greatest ad-libs of filmic comedic history, Jim Carrey's character stops at a piece of just pure set dressing on the wall of a bar. It's a framed newspaper referencing the successful lunar mission, which of course occurred decades before the film's setting. And Carrey stops on his way out the door in awe, and then he turns to the bartender. No way. That's great. And then he bursts through the double doors, cries out with a jubilant voice to anyone who will hear, we landed on the moon. See, see, he gets it. 
If one man walks on the moon, then mankind does. We participate in that moment, and our participation ought to lead us straight to celebration. Friends, even more so, if a man, if a single man has entered into the very heart of heaven, then humanity itself has been brought into communion with the living God in a way heretofore unimaginable. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Christ, of course, though fully human, is no mere human being. In fact, this place which he has entered into is the same throne that he forsook for the sake of our salvation. St. Paul thinks this is key when he writes in chapter 4 of Ephesians, what does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order that he might fill the whole universe. This move, do you see it? This move from dizzying heights to what was once thought as merely damnable lows through the gates of hell into the dominion of death itself, through resurrection and back into glory. Friends, what is Jesus doing here? But what, as the apostle clearly states, he is filling all things. He is like wine being poured out from on high, cascading into the bottom of the chalice, only to return to its former heights, having filled the cup. For in the incarnation, Jesus consecrates humanity anew, The sleeping, eating, itching, scratching, smiling, crying Jesus sanctifies the simple act of being human. And then there is the crucifixion. On the cross, Jesus cries out in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, of course, is fully God himself. Yet he becomes God-forsaken, so that we may now find the most despised places of this world resplendent with the reality of God. That which was God-forsaken in our world is God-filled through the glory of the cross. Amen? And at last, death swallowed up life himself and spit him out like a whale with a bad three-day stomach bug. Finally, Christ ascends on high, giving gifts and making sacrifices as he enters at last into the holiest of holies. Brothers and sisters, what we have here is a radical vision of the priesthood. This is a glorious fresco of the priestly ministry of Jesus Perhaps your vision of the priesthood was once like mine, a rather paltry understanding of this office. It was, I assumed for so long, primarily about the forgiveness of sins. The old priests were a band of butchers shedding buckets of useless blood in an attempt to appease the wrath of God. And perhaps that's primarily what it was for centuries. The book of Hebrews hints at this. But Adam, Adam too was a priest. And the garden, his temple, long before a sacrifice for sin was required, the Lord made man as a priest. He was created to give an offering of the whole creation, 
offering the cosmos, this world, up to God, yes, in both thanksgiving and oblation, in joy and splendor. But, and this is important, also offering God back to this world. He was to be the mediator, the overlap of heaven and earth in the form of a creature. The former offering of the world to God was mutilated and dominated by sin, while the latter offering of God to the world was all but impossible, save some small incursions into enemy territory. We think here of Elijah or Elisha, Moses or Miriam, any of the great prophets. But this offering is no longer limited to what really are small acts. For the door has been opened yet again. For Christ has not only been raised, but he has been raised up to fill all things that we may dwell in him and he in us that we might enter through him into heaven itself and that heaven might move through the kingdom of priest that is his church into the world and then back again a full offering a beautiful cycle of oblation i want to say just how thankful i am for my fellow priests who give me a vision of christ's manifold priestly ministry. I can't help but feel particularly blessed to have landed in this parish, not with one or two other priests, but with four other men that I might learn from and lean on in the infancy of my own priesthood. It is an honor to serve with you and to belong to so rich a company, a band of brothers called to be fathers to this wonderful flock. And as we look ahead To this weekend, I am hopeful and I am prayerful with all of you that on Saturday, the priestly office of bishop will be reverently honored by the faithful offering of a true shepherd for the flock that is the Diocese of Fort Worth. We need to be praying. We need to be praying continuously. But you know, tonight I'm also grateful for the other priests who serve in our congregation. Have you you met them yet? Perhaps you don't think you have. I assure you, if you're a Christian, you see one at least once a day, if you have the courage to look in the mirror. You know, the ones who don't wear collars or preach sermons, who will never say mass at this altar, but who stand at a thousand altars throughout their lifetime. You! You who will never lift this bread and wine yourselves, but who are called instead to sanctify untied shoelaces, scientific research, and staff meetings. You who consecrate coffee carafes and cattle herds, computer keyboards, car engines, and piles of crayons. You offer God operating rooms and operating budgets alike raising up writing and research, placing both paintbrushes and needle-nosed pliers atop the altar, blessing babies and freshly baked cookies, mugs of beer, and mounds of barbecue, which I plan to eat tonight. (laughs) 
lifting up your very lives, making an oblation of the world, given into your hands, and offering God back to the world in one fell swoop. You are priests, brothers and sisters. You are priests. For we Anglicans affirm the priesthood of all believers, even as we demand that the priesthood mean something by God. Those of us ordained to this participate in this office, do so through the bishop who both ordains and oversees our ministries, even as you participate through us in the offering of these elements in worship. We don't, we don't stand up here alone, right? You don't think that that's what's happening. No, you're here with us, entering into the heavenly realities themselves, Lifting this world into heaven and bringing heaven into this world. Into our very bodies so that, say it with me, he may dwell in us and we in him. For each of us participate in the priesthood of Christ. Our priesthood matters only because it is found within the true priesthood of Jesus. The great high priest whose priesthood knows no end. We worship God not only because of Jesus, but in and through and with him. And when we lift up the bread and the cup, we're lifting you up. We're lifting up your jobs and your vocations, your victories and your frustrations, your sacrifices and your oblations. And we participate in your priestly ministry as well. For as you go out into the world, we go with you. So that, so that Jesus might fill all things. So that last, he will be recognized of the one who is all in all. Did you see what Paul says Fullness of Christ is in the church. The fullness of Christ is in the church. Not a little bit. Not just enough. Not a measly portion. The fullness of Christ. This is the glory of the, the ascension. This is the splendor of the church's life. It is the holy calling that we all share to be priests for the life of the world. And Paul's Ephesian benediction is proper here. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, more than we can ask or even imagine, according to the power at work within him and within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever.